Hi, and welcome to the special edition of Keen Minds, where we are chatting with you guys. I am Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saigo. And I'm Tessa. And, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, she was with us in the round table, second round table with Aaron and Troy. Hi, Eve. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So it's Evie or Blacklister214. Uh, depending on where I'm currently posting on. Uh, so very nice to mm-hmm. see you guys here or, <laughs> on our little our little uh, Skype chat. Yes. And so um, Evie is a theorist and a shipper and a fantastic writer, by the way. Still waiting on the updates for Second Son. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you now that I'm saying this now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like I should pass that on for a Karencia, yeah. you know? I want more, more Catherine and Raymond. Uh, I want yeah. more Catherine oh, and Raymond. I love them. Okay, well, there's a question. How do you feel about Cayman? You're, you're the captain of our Cayman ship. How do you feel about that in the wake of the finale? Okay, well, I've suddenly totally decided that her relationship with Raymond Reddington wasn't nearly as serious. The things that really upset me about Requiem, when she's talking about how... Uh, the relationship is frivolous with Raymond. I'm like, a frivolous relationship? Really frivolous? Uh, so now I've suddenly decided that Raymond Reddington was not the greatest love of her life, that Red, whoever the heck Red is, he's got to be the big love of her life because otherwise the way that Dom treats him makes absolutely no sense. He is the son-in-law, you know? And if it's not the man she's married to and it's not the father <clears throat> of her kid, I have no reason other than he's just the love of her life that Dom would treat him like that. I, I go a step further. Dom treats him like an in-law. I mean, if if you have had an in-law or if you had seen the relationship between your parents and their in-laws, you know he's an in-law. That's what it is. I don't care what they want to spin things around. I know what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing. So I don't know, but I think that there's something there. We saw the pepper in the hot sauce. We all knew what that meant. Here, we're making eggs. You get the hot sauce. You get the pepper. You don't have to discuss it. We know what this means. They can't go back on that. I'll be yes. very mad. <laughs> we won't let you. We will call yeah. it out. I, I, <laughs> I, I am pretty much in the same boat as you, Evie. I, I think that the, this whole Red Raymond Reddington is very misleading because the more you dig there into the mythology and you start going back, it doesn't make any sense. He's been Raymond Reddington for too long and there's too many people that know him as such. So I'm thinking, I wonder if Raymond Reddington was like Edgar Legat. <laughs> a name. I'm missing the reference. Uh, Legat was the one that was the... Um the hitman that, that Red supposedly employed, that it was really just Red, and then he had Tom pose as Legat. Oh, right. That was the You're one right. where Tom I... posed as his hitman for him. I gotcha. Okay. All he right. was really good at it, too. It looked very hot. <laughs> he, seemed, he seemed very at home in that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in his, his prime working out in the field. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we miss him. All, all the fallen I'm looks I'm not that. a shiver and I miss him. I, he's my favorite. I'm always going to miss the man. I mean, he's to me, he was the most fascinating character on the show. Yeah. His relationship you, with you still, Either you're still on the boat that, that Red is uh, Liz's father, no matter what 
the thing say? No. Um, or, or you think that he's not? Yeah, I came off the, I got off that, I was actually, I was, I didn't get off that boat. I was thrown off that boat by John Mottenkamp. Even after, like, initially with the apostrophe thing, I'm like, well, you know, he could have, they could have swapped places, you know, uh, long before. So the blood from the, he was already pretending to be Raymond Reddington when Liz was conceived. And that's what happened. But then I read the interview with John Bottenkamp and he's all like, no, no, we told you all along. Uh, Raymond Reddington was Raymond Reddington until the fire and he died in the fire, just like we said, because God knows we never contradict ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) And why on earth are you an experienced viewer of The Blacklist paying any attention to an interview by the man who invented Red Speak? You know what? I didn't trust John's John's interviews to begin with. After 508, I just stopped because... My, my biggest beef with him, and Tessa hears me harp about this all the time. Everybody that chats with me on Tumblr hears me harp about this. I still go back to, we will respect the family unit while we send Ryan off to redemption. We are not going to hurt Tom. We respect this family unit. Comes back, sets it up, just to brutally murder him. That was not yeah. respecting the family unit. But, but <laughs> he, he maintained his word. He came out of redemption fine. You <laughs> just don't get him. <laughs> well, I go no. to the interviews because I'm so. He never said anything after redemption. He said he'd be <laughs> welcome back. I don't think he was very welcome back. <laughs> sure, you can come back so that we can brutally stab you and shoot you. And even though you've survived that every other time we've done this to you, suddenly you're bleeding out. Oh well. Yeah. You can take three gut shots at point-blank range and, you know, crappy care and being on a gross boat where you would have died of infection, you know, a day into it. But, you know, hey, suddenly when you're stabbed in the side... It wasn't a Damascus knife. It wasn't? That's what... No. That's oh, the deadly blade that's fatal to all, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, the least it could have done is it was, like, poisoned or something. I don't know, but it's... They just—they wanted to kill him, so they killed him, and that's—that's that's what it boils down I to. I think he's dead. Ryan's just on saying. New Amsterdam. He's starring in New Amsterdam. We've lost Tom. The—the the moment he came out, and it came out that that he was going on New Amsterdam. I went. I'm really happy for Ryan. I am really bummed because there goes my last shred of hope. Well, see, my Still hope has existed. Yeah, my hope has always existed in the idea that they're going to make a new make a new decision but only in so much as like in the final episode they just kind of like pull him out and go voila <laughs> here's yes. Tom he's not dead I, you know I will <laughs> hate it on the writing point because I'm such a big fan of all the threads and tying them together and being I mean I, both of you have seen my plot points you see how much effort I put into making sure everything ties together correctly and so if they do that I will be so split down the middle because I'll be going she gets her happy ending and yet really crappy writing but happy ending and it'll be like i I finally finished alias and it'll be like alias all over again so by the way he was alive all the time (laughs) hey i was i was super pleased that was just that was just me reacting emotionally when i watched alias and sometimes Uh, i just gotta (laughs) nothing wrong and then it came like someone told me you come he came back i'm like what (laughs) oh i should have stuck it out (laughs) Well, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm doing a, a super deep analysis this this time, and I'm publishing. I always do it, but this time I'm publishing. And I gotta say, um, I'm slowly regaining my respect 
it's gonna take a while more to get me back to where I was, but um some things are very intriguing. They just you need to not pay attention to the interviews because I went back and I read interviews from Buckingham from season one. Oh, we're not gonna bring Scotty back for season five. Oh, there it is, Scotty. We are not going to do that. This is gonna be a big wrestler story. Oh, oh, wrestler, who was that? <laughs> so you can't really pay any attention to what they say. Their job I mean, they, they say things and then they do whatever. They they are trying to be the PR team, and that's uh, honest. As a writer, I would say never put your writer in charge of of public relations because <laughs> we know too much. Just stick us in a corner and don't let us talk on social media. <laughs> so I'll go talk. I mean, I was doing it uh, when we were when we were uh, waiting uh, here on Skype before we started recording. I'm just sitting there spilling all of these plot points that I have coming up in my current story to Tessa, and I'm just like. By the way, did you want those spoilers? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and so, like, everybody that talks to me, if they even poke at me for a spoiler, I'm like, here, let me hand you all of my spoilers. <laughs> I have a question for you, Evie. What is your favorite badass Liz moment from season five? Because she, she did do pretty good in, in this whole thing, being being bad Liz. Oh. I don't know. I think my my favorite bad Liz moment was the first time she she conned Red into getting her involved so she could go steal the steal the evidence from the evidence lockup. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, you you did that and you just played me. And he's like, I'm kind of proud here at this moment. So I was still happy uh, in her in her sneaky duplicitiveness and that she was kind of starting to push back against Red in a way that was still fun for me, not, I am going to destroy him. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about about Jennifer? Did you like having Jennifer back in this particular uh, situation or was it like jarring for you? Well, I've been looking forward to Jennifer for so long because I thought she had, I thought she really had answers, but this woman doesn't seem to have the answers that I was really kind of hoping for. But it uh, is Bart Curlish. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm, I love, I love the actress. I loved her in Dirk Gently. Uh, so, and she's clearly got a bit of a, bit more of an edge to her that I initially uh, would have guessed when they introduced the character. I'm like, they can't make this. This is supposed to be. This is this huge character. They can't just make her kind of blah and bland. They have to make her like something big. So I'm looking forward to seeing her again in the coming season where maybe we'll learn a little more about her and see her be a little more, I don't know, edgy. So. Yeah. Once they put you on a motorcycle jacket, you know you're bad. I, she was dressing yeah. like Liz, so there we go. Yep. She was badass. Yep. <laughs> so what do you think about the imposter theory? What is What is your take on it? Did you see it coming? What are your thoughts and theories and opinions about it? Uh, well, for me, the imposter theory was something that's been seriously, something to be seriously considered since the pilot episode. And it's something that I always, you know, entertained as a possibility. But it seemed to me that the more information that we got and the more private conversations we saw, it was impossible. Like I, I discussed way back at the end of last season as a possibility of who could be in that box. I said Raymond Reddington, but this is why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because... Kate says, you know, Kate knows who's in this box, and Kate calls Naomi 
his wife in that conversation. I don't like the way this is pushing you. Yes. Go read a book. We'll find your wife. Okay. That was something that was a kind of a big sticking moment for me. The way he is with Carla, where he's willing to uh, die for her and he's willing to let his enemy continue to have all of his money. They had that conversation with Berlin about, you know, you could stop me now, this big adversary that he's been fighting for so long. You could stop me now, but you won't because you want your wife back so much. So they really, this payoff really better be pretty darn impressive about that relationship for that to have made any sense. So what did you think about Carla? Sorry, uh, I was thinking about Carla being dead all of a sudden. Do you? Oh, no. She <laughs> knew stuff. They kill off anyone who knows stuff. Yeah. And there they just Sam, like, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Goodbye. There's Jennifer. She gets to live only because she doesn't know anything. She's not dead. Come on. <laughs> Nobody knew where she was. And there it is. Dead of two bullets. The same year that the bones come out. I think Carla just skidded. <laughs> enough. I got enough of the. I got enough of the of the two timing husband. You know, either I kill him, but that might be a little troublesome nowadays, or I just disappear with two bullets. Fake death. Start again. I would like that. I actually would like that a lot better than her being really dead because it would make more sense than Jennifer, who Raymond Reddington has been unable to find, who has gone off into hiding outside uh, outside the Marshall protection which is the information that we got from season two. Uh, and then Frank, the idiot, who can't even hide that he's uh, is cheating on his wife with the phone records, uh, he's able to just, like, suddenly track her down, that he knows where she is. I'm, what? Yeah. So, yeah. like, uh, Carla knew where Jennifer was, and Carla told Jen, uh, said, in case that I die, uh, Reed, I'm sick of you, and <laughs> I... And, you know, go find my daughter and tell him that I'm dead so I can be, she can go and look at my, my grave where we can only see 2017 and not the month. Hate you guys. Not you well, they guys. they can't even get a toe tag right guys. In, the, in the props. <laughs> I mean, it's like, all right, so I'm, I'm grumbling about props and now you give me the, the tombstone, but all I can know is that she died in 2017 Hmm. Well, see, the thing is with Tom, I understand the multiple birth years. I totally get that. Nobody knows where he started. You know, I mean, lots of lots of vagueness there. Get that. The death date <laughs> keeps changing. <laughs> and so we yeah. don't know what this is. This is suddenly happening in a void where time does not <laughs> does not mean anything. The TARDIS has taken over. There we go. <laughs> I think the prop department is it's a problem. I don't think it is the writers. I think the writers got everything planned that, to the T. I would disagree <laughs> with that at this point, but um but I do think the prop department has been slacking a little. Yeah, or the communication. It may not be the yeah. department itself, but the communication between the two. Yeah. Because you can't have the death certificate has the of Tom in Redemption says 1984. Okay, so yeah, as you're saying, that could be explained many ways. But but no, I mean no, no. I mean, don't even get me started of all the props like the bones, who saw themselves and unsaw themselves. It's perfect. <laughs> Dim bones, dim bones. Um, <laughs> it's really a ghost. They're just going to reassemble themselves out of the trash can, <laughs> flaming, you know, like Ghost Rider. <laughs> like everything is a shapeshifter, so the bones have to shapeshift. It's Hudson! 
<laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah. So what do you anticipate for next season? Are you going to be watching with the same uh, diligence or? I, I, I'll probably be watching with the same diligence that I watched with for the back half of this season, which is like, okay, you've, you've killed me emotionally. You've, you've ruined so many things for me, but I still really have to know, you know, I'm not going to miss this, uh, miss this big reveal because I've stuck with it this long. So that's too much time on this mystery. That is exactly where I am. I said, I have too many things I'm involved with in the show. Now I've gotten too deep into the fandom. There are too many mysteries left. I still have characters that I hope that they'll remember exist, you know, and some that I would prefer them just to leave alone and let them be happy in the corner because I don't trust John with happy, happy couples anymore. <laughs> I mean, Saram gets together and suddenly she's in a coma. Go figure. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you. And I'm, I'm suddenly eating my words from seasons ago where I was telling people, well, if you don't like it, just leave. You know, and now I'm eating the words because here I am. <laughs> angry and bitter and still here so i apologize everyone not that anybody from there listens to me on this but apologies <laughs> so what do you think about katarina we we have the most the most mysterious character in the show is the one that to me feels like those those people trying to describe an elephant and they all just they're blind or they have blindfolded and they can't see the whole thing and each one describes something because Katarina for for Kate was bizarre and then you know every time that we've seen somebody remembering her or talking about her she seems like a completely different person at least to me which you know I kind of the the impressions that I trust the most are obviously what we saw in Requiem uh and then I trust to a certain extent the Katarina that we saw in Cape May. So the Katarina that I that I believe in, the things that I believe with absolute certainty about Katarina is number one, obviously she loved Liz more than more than anything. Uh, number two, she was super compartmentalized with her super compartmentalized with her emotions. She it did not getting through to her was not an easy thing. I kind of always likened her to Tom in that sense, where they talked about people who are kind of unable to, they're super charming and able mm -hmm. to endear others to them, but they're not all that capable of forming emotional connections. And it's a very special situation where it happens. So, um, you know, people who, I think the people who she genuinely loved were very slim. Uh, Kirk might find himself, if we ever saw Kirk in the same episode again, I, I think she might be, he might be disappointed at the level to which she was fond of him. Cause that's pretty much where I felt that relationship was. She like, you know, I think she was probably fond of Constantine uh, but really loved, really loved Kate. And again, my hope is super, super loved Red, whoever the heck, <laughs> whoever the heck Red turned James out. James Spader's character. <laughs> yeah, James Spader's character. Well, I, I, I'm, I call him Red. Red is the guy we yeah. met. I don't, the other guys, Raymond Red, it's very yeah. confusing now. Yeah, I've been calling them Raymond and Red. Like, that's, that's been the best way but my every, brain's been able to connect with him. How about it. Fitch calling him Ray all the time? I know. Yeah. We're back to Tom versus Jacob all over again. <laughs> I don't know what to call these people anymore. <laughs> hey, See, I, I, I knew that Jacob was not his real name because he, he never took off. 
I just I just knew it was with fans, honestly, and they just finally swallowed it and left it. But then we had Christopher, and so, but I don't know if I don't think Christopher was a thing from the get go. I think that was something they came up with. Not not from the pilot is what I mean, you know, because uh, Ryan talked about the that he and John or the Johns. I don't remember if it was both of them or just one of them, but they they talked a lot in season two when Tom came back about where this could go and and how deep they could take it. And that's when they first started battering around for redemption. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's I would assume that's where his deep backstory started coming out. And that for me, that's one of my major complaints about killing Tom off is that they opened up this can of worms of his backstory and then just dropped it. Well, we'll never know now. I mean, and okay, sure, you can say that's how the world works, but I'm watching a television show. I expect my answers <laughs> if you give me a question. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like they even introduced those questions on Redemption. They let it, they use Blacklist episodes to yep. introduce these mysteries. So you can't say, oh, those aren't, you know, those are really our show's mysteries that we're going to wrap up. Those were, you know, those were a, a, a spinoff show, so it's not the same thing. It is the same thing. You yeah. mm-hmm. They spent a lot of time yes. setting up Redemption. And then a lot of times yeah. setting up his death, and funny thing, he's actually pushing season six now. Tom <laughs> Keen is dead and still pushing the plot. Because Liz <laughs> is going to to get her, her payback against Red for her husband's death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although, you think she was, that was actually one of the questions I had. Was Liz always this... Was Liz always this angry with Red about her husband's death, or just the fact that she found out that Raymond, that he wasn't her actual biological father, has given her this go-ahead to just be enraged and try to destroy him? I think kind of both. Um, I think it's kind of a combination there, because I think that people, with Liz, people kind of get a pass with her. It's the entire reason Tom didn't tell her about the bones to begin with. I mean, if he had, she would have gone, okay, I just found out he's my dad. Let's take him there, you know. (laughs) Wait, babe, come back, you know. And... And so that's that's why he kept it to himself then, and she just gives relatives a lot of leeway that she maybe shouldn't, <laughs> and um, and so now it's not there. That's that's a really good way to put it. That you know it gave her permission to. I mean, it's just one more lie on top of the heap of them. And okay, so maybe he never straight up said, "I'm your father." Well, yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> you sure yeah. let her believe that. <laughs> he didn't deny it. Well, I mean, and people yeah. say, oh, well, he denied it early on. Well, you know, it's Fred. It's not like he's ever been straightforward with her. You've got to take everything into consideration. This, The man that she knows is not, he doesn't give her a straight answer. Yeah. With the exception of this is about your father, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and he promised. He said, the answers will come, I promise. And now he's like, nope, never. <laughs> I feel like those should be remain buried. Yeah, how's that working out for you, hon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I just feel bad for Dom because he and Demby are the only one left who know everything. Uh, yeah. Because Carla knew and told her to tell him, <laughs> to tell her about it. About it. And, All right, geez, here, here's a question God. for Evie. Do you think, um, I don't remember if you responded to this on Tumblr the other day, because I posted this on Tumblr, and I know Tessa and I have discussed it on the podcast before. Do you believe that Dom, uh, that either Dom or Dembe are ever in danger if they look like they're going towards telling Liz? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say with about a 85% confidence because I no longer trust him after Cape, but with an 85% confidence, I'm gonna say no because I mean he's got to draw. There's got to be a line somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> <You> hope so. <laughs> so Dembe, are you kidding me? Oh. So is the 85% for both of them? Yeah, the 85% mm-hmm. is for the 85% is for both of them. I mean, if only because I think he, he feels like he could. With the Dom, I think he could out. Uh, I think he feels he could outmaneuver him. I, yeah. I feel at this yeah. point, uh, or or simply they just go too far back, and it's simply a, a line, a line too far because he's Katarina's father, and darn it, that should afford him some degree of protection. Of course, Kate should have been afforded some degree of protection, given you know their <laughs> two, uh, two decades plus friendship and total development notion, but. You know, hey, you know, value loyalty above all else. Oh, wait, <laughs> unless, unless you're me and I decide. I was that have- red? Did was that red's experience? How about all those little stories that we have heard? Are those reds or are the uh, Raymond Reddington's? I would imagine most of them are the red that we know. I mean, to be able to talk in that. I, I, I think it all depends on where it comes back from, because if he's basically like he described Tom in season two, where he becomes the part, if mm-hmm. Raymond Reddington died and the red that we know became him, you know, it depends if they were super close, if they were partners in the Navy or something along those lines, they were very close brothers, any number of things, then if, if he knew enough about him, I, it could blend. It could blend to the fact that he doesn't even know anymore. You know, I mean, not necessarily a psychological break, just you get in so deep, you don't know where those lines are anymore. Yeah, I think that was one of the uh, the the um, Tom Keen ads. Hmm. After you change identity so many times, you even know who you are. Yeah. And so, I mean, if he's if he's been living for 30, about 30 years in this role, I mean... That's that's a long time. Evie, what do you think? I think it's really challenging because I was trying to go back and try to, you know, pull up these stories that he tells and that could give us some sort of an idea. At least if he's even, you know, the difference between because my two major competing theories are number one, uh, he's a Russian. He's a Russian uh, intelligence agent. And that's where he was coming from. Or number two, he was uh, an American, an American agent, very possibly partnered with the real Raymond Ruddington. So that's how he ended up encountered in Katarina and messed up in this mess. So I was trying to figure out if there's anything that's indicating to me you're you're an upbringing of an American upbringing uh, or something that might cue me to it's it's ambiguous. So he could clearly have been growing up in a foreign country, but then I realized even that doesn't matter because I'm like, oh, okay, he makes references to you know. Uh, having a, a lawn mowing business with some kid who's drinking pop on the fridge or something like that definitely DJ. sounds yeah. yeah sounds like these really sound like he grew up in he grew up in the United States they don't you know nooner under the benches the bleachers with a cheerleader I mean a lot of his stories sound a lot like he grew up in the United States but on the other hand that doesn't necessarily discount him as being a Russian agent if only because I believe one of the things I firmly believe about Katerina uh, was that Dom was uh, Dom was sent to the country, and she grew up in the United States, despite being the the child to at least one uh, KGB agent. Like all those toys in the garage uh, from 
season three where we went to Don's house the first time and he's we were looking at all those old toys that belonged to Katarina and they all look like American toys and he's talking about playing with glitter and I'm like, would they be shipping that from Russia to here? So we had all these boxes of our old toys if it was from another country. So I don't know. I I can't get I can't get a good I can't get a good sense of it. I really can't. Yeah. <laughs> How about Rilarina? The uh, elephant in the room. <laughs> because that's one of those theories that is out there and and they, I gotta say that there are clues pointing out there like oh do you you didn't know what I look like you know when I was in the street uh, with my head split open oh my god don't give that credit <laughs> yeah well the, the clues are there they are yeah. there that's a thing that is it's just there I mean they could be red herrings try red whales but well the troubling thing is that line from Kate with the Red Arena thing. I mean, for the most part, I, I I generally do not believe it just because the conversation Red has with Katarina and Kate May would make that really very strange, as with Dom's behavior towards Red. It would make it really strange to me that the Red is Katarina. a very bad man. Yeah. But um but the the big one though for like the okay, maybe this isn't as nuts as possible was that potential what certainly seems like a mistake where Kate's talking about the you took you put her in my arms as a it was like a baby or an infant and you asked me to protect her and then we get the backstory and that doesn't seem to line up with any male any male figure so I mean but we also have this we also have the story that Red told Liz when she was pregnant with Agnes about how Katerina didn't want her and that he was the one that sat her down and basically convinced her that it could be a blessing. Mm. And, I mean, so he, he's spoken about Katarina in ways that are very outside of. I mean, that, that can't really be twisted around to that. I, I remember, I think it was on the Blacklist Exposed that John Bokenkamp did an interview one time. Because Troy, uh, Troy Heinrichs over there is the one that, that started the, the idea. I have no idea if it started as a legit theory or I think oh, yes. it, it did it. Okay. I, I, I think it built more than he realized it was ever going to build. <laughs> um, but they, I, they, I've heard them goof back and forth about it before. Um, but he, he posed this to an interview with John one time and I distinctly remember John going, Oh, well I, I hadn't thought about that, but that'd be interesting. You know, that that had never crossed his radar. It just it took him by such so. If they were to turn around and do that at this point, I'd go, "You owe Troy some money <laughs> now. <laughs> like you need to pay this man what you would pay any writer I, I, that came up honestly, with a big plot point." <laughs> I think that they troll the internet looking for the craziest theories to use as red herrings. I and you know. I do you remember a certain not to be named? Uh, she must not be named uh, with a theory about a an <laughs> earring piece. Yes. Um, I noticed that after that came out, they started putting the, the focusing on the ear more, and I'm laughing. Were the redheaded they, babies? Yes, <laughs> the and then kids? they were all red, and there were redheads everywhere. And then it's Cynthia Panabaker, who's that's another theory, believe it or not, that is out there that Cynthia Panabaker is Katerina Rostova. And, uh, yeah, it's there. I've heard it. I just, I just can't. What I was going to say a few minutes ago before I got on the, 
<laughs> it would be tangent. hilarious, though. No, no, it would not. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say is if Katarina, if all of this comes down and they wrap the show and they're taking their final bows and we and Katarina Rostova is dead, you will, I don't care what part of the world you're in, you will hear me screaming and cursing and shaking my fist to the sky. Because, and the moment that I realized Tom was legit dead on the show, I started actually questioning if Katarina was coming back or not. Because to me, that was so interwoven. It's been so mm-hmm. carefully written and shot and acted. And it just seemed like such a great side story with it. And so, I mean, it was subtle, but it was still there. And it was... I loved it. I personally very much loved it. And they went out of their way to make a point to the audience in season four when they're uh, when Tom's about to go undercover and she says that and and Liz has been reading the um the journal and she says, you know, they they met because he was uh Alexander uh or Alexander Kirk was a uh was her mark. Basically we, we met in the you know, my mother met met Alexander Kirk in the same way that you and I met. And, no, uh, Reddington. Yeah, Reddington. Excuse me, Reddington. Reddington. Not Kirk. Yeah. Um, Reddington. Uh, it's the heat. The heat is killing my brain. Um, <laughs> thank you. That met Reddington the same way. Um, and and I'm sitting there at the time, and both of you probably heard me because I was rambling on it. I'm like, yes, yes. And they kill Tom. And yeah, I'm I like, think I, I heard some rumbling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's from Texas, it pushes upwards, you know. Um. <laughs> But no, and, and when they when I finally admitted to myself that they had actually killed Tom, I said, is, is Katarina coming back? Or has she just been this long-running joke that they've had in the writing room? Like, <laughs> look at them. They're back on it. You know? <laughs> they think Katarina's alive. <laughs> and if she's not, I'm going to be really disappointed. But Red has actually never... The, Red has never said the words... Katerina is dead. Yeah, he, uh, said, he said your Kat- mother is dead. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, at the wedding. Your mother is dead and your father is dead. Um, yes, the we- is that no, a real he, death? He said Katerina Rostova is dead, didn't he? At the wedding when he was... Your mother. Uh, was it your, your mo- mother? still. Yeah. And Katerina Rostova, when he always... When on earth do you use somebody's first and last name, especially a woman that you have... Arguably known quite well. Red has been known to put. Them? Red has been known to put distance between himself and people that he's upset, either upset with or does not want to emotionally connect with. He did it with Agnes, with the baby. He did it with Tom, with Tom Keen. When he finally gave up on pushing Tom away, that's when he became Tom. You know, the good night Tom as he walked out. Yes, but I I get that. But there is very different instances. He uses. Katarina Rostova is the woman who committed suicide, was a KGB spy, uh, was a traitor. Uh, but notice that when he when he talks about her to Kate, he doesn't say she died. She said sudden disappearance uh, or walked away or, dis- or, you know, I think what is exactly the word um, after Katarina sudden? Um, ah, it will come to me. Anyway, um, so, and your mother is dead, and, but Katerina is gone. So, Katerina Rostova walked into the ocean, your mother is dead, Katerina disappeared. So, Evie, thoughts? 
my thoughts were it's always been the same that I believe, at least as of, and I actually think he might still believe it, uh, that of as of Kate May, he genuinely believed that she was, the woman was gone, if only because of that monologue about suicide where he's trying to process, how could you, you know, how could you do that? How could you do that to the people who love you? And him being so upset about her making mm-hmm. this choice and him spending the entire episode trying to stop her from walking into the water and yet ultimately apparently being unable to do so and him mm-hmm. getting so worked up about it. That's always been my my big thing of he genuinely believes not just the not just the idea of the woman, but the actual woman herself is gone. And I had thought with four, I think it was 408 when they did that scene where he's with Alexander Kirk and he whispers something into his ear that gets Kirk to stop uh, putting the plunger into him. Uh, I thought that what he said was Katarina's alive, but I'm actually not 100% on that anymore now that we have this imposter theory. So if he was able to prove to Kirk if what he whispered to him was, I'm not Raymond Reddington, yeah, uh, and he was able to back that up, then with some evidence, that could have been that just as easily. Yeah, the, the move to, to Friday nights is an interesting one itself. It is. And, and NBC Friday nights, from what I understand, are notorious for being last season sort of slots. Um, yeah, it's a, you're, that's basically your hospice situation. Yeah. When you go there. I, although, huh? Grim. Grim would be, my, would be my exception, although that was earlier. I, I think this time, I'm hoping that this is going to be. That sounds terrible. I'm hoping this is going to be the last season of The Blacklist. That sounds awful, especially. It does, considering- but they're done. They're out of story. That's yeah. the problem. If they had story and they were continuing to to write like they did in seasons one through three and some of four, you know, go for it. You know, mm-hmm. infinity seasons. I would be all for it, but they're done. They we, we had episodes this season in which we didn't. I mean, we have like five canons, like maybe six canon facts, of which four were in the last. Episode. And Jennifer Hello. came back, and that's still where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. They were they were really stretching things out a little. They were. I, it's, I had a friend that made the comment. She said, basically, next season, if they run it like this season, I could watch the lead in and I could watch the finale and not miss a thing in the middle. She said, I could have done that the back half. I said, yep. Yeah, you could have watched. Uh, and that more or less started in season four that you could watch the first one and then the last one before the uh, before each break and it would be fine. Yeah, I mean, you watch what you watch five four one, then you watch five four eight, and then five four nine, and then you jump right into when Jennifer appears. You're you're good. You yeah. haven't missed much. Yeah, uh, and I that really shouldn't be how it's written. No, and and they didn't even even give us a ton in the in the finale that we got. I thought, okay, this is going to be like a flashback episode, and we're going to learn so much, so much stuff. And really, what do we get? We got that one thing that undoes everything you learned is gone. <laughs> they basically win against what they gave us in season four as the finale. They're like, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That that season finale was a giant eraser. <laughs> there. I mean, you, knew, you thought you knew something? You don't. And that's the problem is they, they've broken faith with the audience by doing that. When they when they stretch something out too long, there's a very fine line in a show like this where it's mystery, where you, where you have to follow the mystery, you have to keep people intrigued, you have to keep them interested, 
and yet you don't want to stretch it out too long. It's I, I've really been doing a lot of thinking about this recently, and it's I think the key is coming up with a way to let one mystery lead into the other organically, and John just hasn't done that. He's gotten so stuck on his daddy issue in this. I don't know if it's his daddy issue or someone's daddy issue in this. Um, the that's all it's been focused on when they could have started with that and let it lead into other things organically, slowly, and and paste it. And they haven't. They've just... they. I, I really do think... I heard an interview with him very early on uh, that said that, that he pitched a show to... I don't know if it was to Sony or NBC or what have you. And he gave them the ending and went, stop, 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 you never give us the ending. We want to make sure you can keep this going. And he went... Oh, okay, because he'd never show run before. He ha- he doesn't have that. And to be honest, no writer has that to the infinity. Well, it's very hard to do a, a show that has so much serialized material mm-hmm. and do it in an open-end thing. Because, because the, I mean, you can do Law & Order basically till the cows come home. But you can't do the same when you have a serialized thing because you need to know how to pace. And I think the problem is they were pacing, pacing, pacing. And then they told him, whoa, whoa, no, 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 don't do that. Yes, uh, and I, then it was like this stretch, you know, like, okay, this is breaking. It's, we got to end. But I think, I, I have a feeling that once they start unraveling, this is going to go pretty quickly. Maybe. I don't have a whole lot of faith with them right now. But um Well let's say that this whole thing is a is a red charade, one of those that he loves. Once you pull one of those threads out, you're gonna see the whole thing. I think. That's my opinion. I know I just, Jen doesn't believe in it. What do you believe? Uh, mm. I I believe a, a a spotty memory is gonna be a real asset uh when the final <laughs> when the final bells toll. As my as my father mentioned this to me because he's a casual blacklist watcher, so he kind of like occasionally goes, Jen, do we know what this is supposed to be? And then I start launching it all my. He's like, never mind, never mind. I think this is going to, you know, you're gonna not enjoy this as much as I'm going to enjoy this because I don't remember half of this stuff. So it's gonna it's gonna disappoint you. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be as neat as you want it to be. Um, but I don't know. I my big thing is I really wish they just announce, you know. Season uh, season six is the final season. If they just told us that right now, what a relief. What a weight off. Because I'm sure that they can pull this together fairly credibly. Maybe not perfectly, but certainly, you know, fairly credibly. If they know with certainty this is the end. And they know it now. Versus, yeah. like... <laughs> I, I really wish that studios and, and um, networks and such gave them that. Especially on shows like The Blacklist that are proven shows that have made them a, you know, a pretty decent dollar on it. Um, I mean, I know they don't own all of, all of the blacklist. I think right now they sit at 50%, but that's, they got that when they renewed it for season six. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise I mean, they wouldn't have renewed it. I, no, I think that was a, a prerequisite of renewing them. I think that that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons it took them so long to announce. Um, but uh, regardless of who owns it, who's making money, it's it's a proven show. It's been there. This is going into the sixth season. They should shows that level. I feel like they should have the respect for both the show and for the viewers to say, okay, this is our last round. Yeah. You know, yeah, they did it with uh, what just got renewed that was on the bubble for the CW. Uh, I Zombie that I love. I Zombie 
is in its fifth season, it's heavy mythology in that particular thing. Not nearly as heavy as Blacklist, but still heavy mythology. And they just said, okay, we're renewing this for the fifth, and then we're and then we're out. And I have no problem with that. I mean, I'm not even asking for like a lost situation where they're saying, we guarantee you three more seasons and then the end, which is just that was insane when that happened. I was my mind was blown. But I feel like after you hit, say, like third, after this you're in a third season, once you're a third season show, if you're you get renewed for the fourth season, that should be part of the deal. Like every time we renew you, you're gonna know going into your going into your final season, this is your final season. Right. And I mean, even if it's just like if the numbers just tank one season, like this year, blacklist numbers were terrible from what I heard. I mean, even if it's just like, okay, we're giving you a final season, you get Friday nights and you don't start till January. Or you get a half season, but, you know, get, give some wrap-up time to, to give the writing team a chance to give back to the viewers that have put so much time into this. Because it is. It's, it, it's a lot. I mean, especially for, for the fans like us that, that, you know, spend a lot of time and emotional and intellectual energy on it. You know, it's... Nice I've written more like seven million words on it. That's a lot of words. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't tell you how many words I've got on it. A lot. And none of it is fiction. Well, some of mine part. is. Uh, a lot of mine is, but that's okay. Um, well, still a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have gone. This is the first time I've ever podcasted. I learned to gif for this show. Um, to, to really gif, uh, I learned to vid make for this show, several other projects that got me pretty deep in. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of time and effort for this one. Yeah. Do you want to commit to? Which, you know, I get, you gotta, you gotta love it. You gotta love it for that. Again, that's, yeah. as I'm trying to, as I'm trying to wrestle with my bitterness about this season, I'm trying to remember, you know, that feeling of season, uh, a feeling of season one, and then season two was even better, and then season three was even better, and then season four when they killed Kaplan, I thought they could kind of recover from it, and then it just went downhill from there. Okay, here's here's a question for you. Your oh, favorite? You you don't like? Yeah, you were you were bitter when they killed Kaplan. I was so bitter. Well, actually, that's not true. I wasn't bitter when she committed suicide. I was bitter when. He shot Kaplan in the head. I was very bitter about that. Let me give you a plot of land for eternity. <laughs> oh my God, Red. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For doing this terrible thing of trying to do exactly what we agreed all those years ago that you would do in the situation where it was a me or Liz situation. Thank you so much, Raymond, uh, Raymond Reddington slash not Raymond Reddington. <laughs> you horrible man. Fred, I was fake on Red. Fred. 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 Wow. Um, I, I'm amazed. I I mean, the, I remember Kaplan. I love Kaplan when I saw her. But I never got warm, fuzzy feelings for her. Um, there was always something about her that got me like, mm, I don't know about you. I mean, you seem loyal and all that. That deary of her was a little like, hmm, I don't know. Not so good. And then, you know, she went and said, Deary, you know, we're buried, Deary. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, you call yeah. people Deary on Tumblr all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, now that's you know why. 
<laughs> if I'm calling you dearie on Tumblr, it's not a good thing. <laughs> okay, Evie, here's here's a question for you as we wind down. Favorite episode, and if you can, favorite uh, season. A uh, favorite episode ever, because I'd have trouble picking a favorite episode for season five. It's all uh... yeah, no, no, <laughs> all across favorite. across okay. the five seasons. Oh, that's that's a tough one. I would probably go with. I mean, there are many episodes that I just completely loved, especially in season three. Season three was my absolute favorite season because there were so many great things and all the things that they did with Tom and Liz's relationship. And that whole sequence where we had Kate May and then we had the introduction of Dom and then we had the introduction of Alexander Kirk and we got to see Tom do a bunch of spy stuff. Oh, I love season three. Uh, so season three, absolutely my favorite. And my favorite episode overall, probably Kate May because we got so much time with Katerina Rostova and I love her <laughs> like everybody else apparently in the world. <laughs> Uh, of the blacklist, so yeah. I, I would ask like Tessa, Katarina. but I know your favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. You like Katarina? I love. Katarina. You don't think she's bizarre and weird, and I would not want to be within a ten foot pole of her. Oh, she's crazy. I don't. I don't deny. Like she's got. She's got some issues, but I like my characters with some issues. And that scene that killed me. I love that. You know. I'm very distant. I'm distant from the world. I'm distant from whatever. And I seem very manipulative and I seem this and I seem that. And then that final scene where she comes back and she hugs, she brings Kate, she brings Liz back and she's, you know, she's upset. And then she actually hugs Kate for the first time ever. And you actually get to see the, the chink in the armor that is this, you know, this super spy woman. And then at the end when she goes, she's crying. She says, I love you, Kate. I'm like, oh, this is an emotionally uh, stunted. You believe that I love you, Kate? Yes, I believe you. I absolutely believe oh, it. Yeah. That is so funny. It never occurred to me that people would believe her. Yeah, I, I actually believe her. That she loves Kate? Absolutely, I do. Huh. I mean, not but like as her as her <laughs> as her friend yes <laughs> to, to clarify that because there was that was some that was some question of that given uh kate's uh sexual preferences but i absolutely believe that you know this was basically the first person i really let get that you know one of the few people i let get that close to me into my heart when as a rule she keeps everyone very far away so at this moment is the first time i've actually felt comfortable <laughs> with telling you how you feel, even though that gives you leverage and power over me, uh, and I'm about to disappear and never see you again. So yes, I absolutely believe that I love you is real. I'm amazed. Did you believe it, Jen? I go back and forth on if I believe her or not. Um, she's an incredibly manipulative, manipulative human being, um, and so I think she knew. I I think that Kate cared a great deal about her. Um, I think that. I, I've never really had an opinion, uh, a firm opinion on if Kate loved her as, like, she was her only friend. <laughs> you know, she was her best friend, as she said. Or if it was deeper than that. I, I don't know. Um, but regardless, I do think Kate loved her, and I think Katarina picked up on that. Yes, she may have used it, um, but I think she also saw that loyalty there. And I think that could have gotten through to Kat. I, I think that there could have been been a situation which it got through and it was it was a final goodbye and so I don't think that it would have been on the level that Kate loved Katarina 
Um, I just, I, I'm not sure that, like Evie said earlier, it, there were a lot of parallels drawn between Tom and, and Katerina. And I, where Tom learned to love, I don't think Katerina really ever learned that. Or learned to love in a healthy fashion. I'm not sure Katerina, from what we've seen of her, ever learned that. Hmm. That is so interesting. I never believed it. I thought, oh, my God, this woman is so manipulative. The only way that she's going to get Kate to let go of her is by telling her that she loves her and she has to go away. And, in fact, when when Red went and hired her, I, I actually was looking at her screens and I thought, you know what, this this woman is actually looking for Katerina. And the only way, the only reason Red went to her is because she's getting near. Yeah, but Tessa, you're a psycho, so. You know. <laughs> I'm a nice psycho, though. This is a long-running joke. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't believe it at all. I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, it, it just, you know, like those things that don't occur to you? Like, yeah. Yeah, like, really? I mean, okay. that woman was bizarre. I mean, you're, she's just, somebody's telling you, I, I, I really find cadavers appealing. Oh, what a great, you're perfect nanny for me. I'll be like, get away from my child as far away. In fact, let me just kill you just to make sure. But then who would clean up the mess? The cleaner, who is also the nanny. <laughs> I always thought that that was one of the that was that what genuinely endeared her to to Katerina. She's not Kate's not a normal woman, and Katerina yeah. is also not a normal woman uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so I mean, if I think if Kate didn't have a genuine uh, a genuine fondness for her, that again learned to develop itself. I think uh, what should we face it? Kaplan's Kaplan's dead the second that uh, Kaplan's dead the second. Katarina kills that guy, uh, kills that KGB guy in front of her. Because she did say, you know, I, I thought about killing you. I thought about killing you last night to cover my tracks. And I totally believe that Kate, or that Kate, that Ka uh, Katarina was capable of that. There's a lot of that case out there. I know. <laughs> By the way, but, uh, so the fact that she chose, elected not to is a fondness. And then slowly you kind of get a person that you're able to confide in. So that's kind of a big confide in as much as Kate, uh, Katarina confides in anybody, but mm -hmm. knowing that being able to share that secret with someone. Uh, so yeah, and I, I could be, I could be being sentimental about this because I, that's my, that's my inclination. I want to give Katarina the benefit of the doubt because I want her not to be a totally emotionally devoid uh, psycho. And I also want her to have, again, a genuine relationship with a genuine uh, bond with Red, whoever he may be. But I guess I guess we'll see. I, I could have been wrong. Do, do you think that there is a possibility that the relationship between Red and Katerina kind of mirrors the one between Tom and Gina? Hmm. I certainly think I, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility, because as I said, one of the other one of the ways that they could have been they could have found themselves close to each other, because I absolutely believe they were close. They could have been, you know, fellow fellow KGB uh fellow KGB agents and he's working with and he gets to work with her on multiple occasions because we did get that indication and in, I think it was season season three where he's talking about how resourceful Katarina is and how she's this and she's that. So he clearly had to work with her. Yeah, he had to work with her. So 
you know, he could have been, they could have kind of been fellow agents with that kind of respect. And they're in a relationship, like, like you said, like with Gina and Tom, a relationship that's not exactly, uh, it's not really a, <laughs> a healthy, normal relationship, but it's as close to one as they're able to get to a real relationship because no one else knows them. So, so maybe Reddington, uh, Raymond Reddington was like Liz for her. Mm. A guy that she actually connected with. Yeah, that could be. And then we get to that would be that would be actually very interesting. Although I still have to explain that relationship with Fitch because I'm keep going back to and maybe it's wrong for me to discount the to count in the comics, but that scene where they're in there and they're at the they're at the gravesite mm -hmm. about, you know, my old friend and this and that. And I also felt but I felt that connection in the show too when, yes. when Fitch was dying. And he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't find the, I couldn't find the, the code. I couldn't get you out of this. And he actually seems, you know. Yes, upset. upset. Yeah. So I don't know how a KGB agent would have that kind of close relationship with Fitch, but hey, anything's possible. At this but point, the Cabal so. is a mix of American and Russian yep. agents. There are no Russian in there. That's a not? funny thing. They're, they're operative, but you've never seen a cabal member who's a Russian. You've seen Chinese accents and all that. No Russians. I'm not good enough with accents to be able to tell the difference. I remember there was like a blonde woman in there. Well, they tell you. They, um, me neither, too, but they tell you, like Chinese accent and... and um, oh, wow. Yeah, if you put the, the closed captioning, they actually tell you. There, that would have been that would have been handy because I was trying to identify. There was a blonde woman in there. I'm like, what kind of accent is that? I mean, it's European. She looks German. Anything German? That could be it. Yeah, I have to. I'd have to re to replay that one. But yeah, it 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 will. It's always been very very weird to me because Fitch Confederate uh, during the Kirk's bombing bombing was a the actual uh, finance minister. I think who meets his end uh, in the elevator. So yeah. it's weird, but I've never seen, I mean, they're like, oh, we're going to put the, the Cold War, we're going to put this. If they had be, really been members, they, needed, they didn't need to do a false flag mission to reinstate the Cold War. They would just ask the Russians to do something. That's true. Well, I guess depending on the, depending on how powerful you are, I mean, I, I think they do have Russian members, because didn't they, when Liz was being, uh, when Liz was being Operative. shipped away to the Bitsing in the, yeah. in the um, uh, tariff service. Yeah. So, and it would be, I think it would be kind of stupid to form us because I have so much experience forming, you understand, uh, organizations that run the world. That's, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my alter, my alternate job. <laughs> but how do you form an organization that's supposed to be controlling the world if you don't include uh, some important members from the superpowers of the time? So... Clearly, unless Fitch, unless Fitch was a Russian agent. Yeah, certainly. What the heck? You know, who knows? Everybody's a secret Russian agent. That's the real <laughs> twist. Well, no, I think that, honestly, I think that Katerina is not a KGB agent. I think that she was a CIA agent pretending to Everybody be Everybody else, though. Even Coop. I know. You know, let's, but let's you make Cooper want, rest no, secret no. Yeah. Kidding. I'm, hey, I'm being facetious here. He's secret. He's I, I super have heard that one, that wrestler's a secret <laughs> agent. I'm going, our Boy Scout? No. The guy was having.
having like heart attacks just being just being the little bitch of of, of Prescott, and you're making him into a secret agent. The guy uh, couldn't sleep. Yeah, I think that grass. that he aged. He got like gray hair instead oh, of that. No, he's ginger. He'll never gray. <laughs> you know, I can go back to my favorite season five episode. You know what? That was it. Because of that conversation wrestler has with uh, with Red in the car about the the way you undo a mistake is by you know by owning up to it and facing the consequences. And Red's like, uh, no, I think the way you do it is you keep covering things up again and again and again. I think that's that's the right way to handle this. You don't seem to understand, wrestler. Uh, and wrestler's just like, what? I love that episode. No, because I was happy that wrestler reclaimed reclaimed his character. Yeah. Uh, I I still uh. say one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite scenes between him and Prescott. I'm trying to remember when it was, but um, one of the the members of the writing team that's on Tumblr had made some sort of comment about it. She said, "You know, wait until tonight's episode. Some of you will be shipping this or something like that." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and then they had that scene where Prescott just bitch slaps him. <laughs> Wrestler comes up with a gun. I went. That's what she was talking about. I know how shipping <laughs> I know how some people roll. <laughs> I just remember. That just flew so far above my head. <laughs> I think well, we actually talked well, about on the podcast, that, that, that particular podcast, and you were just like, I don't understand. I'm like, I can't explain this to you. But, yes, she's not wrong. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the Kylo, uh, it's the Kylo Ren Hux, uh, Huck's relationship. I, you know what? I won't touch any of those ships with a 10-foot pole from what I've seen on Tumblr. That fandom terrifies. They make the Blacklist fandom look like we sing it, sit around singing Kumbaya, how can we love each other more? <laughs> Star Wars fandom is terrifying. Completely off the podcast. Did you see my... Oh, no, because I haven't published it. I have the, the, the poster for the season six, by the way. Jen saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh, remember the poster <laughs> yes. I sent you? It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon of two girls fighting, like going at each other. And one has Lucinton on the t shirt, and the other one has Red Arena. Okay. Hey, hey I'm, not in the, I'm not in that fight. We're not in that fight anymore. Can we, like, I guess that's like the, if there's a silver lining to this crap, this cloud that was the. That was season five. We're just not. Like, no one's going to take a shot at us anymore. That's for, not actually accurate. <laughs> it's not accurate? You, they're not done with us yet? They're never going to be done with us. Okay. I think I've just got everybody. I've got all the antis blocked to Kingdom Come on Tumblr. And so I haven't gotten any, like, total hate mail. I actually got some really nice things from people that hated Tom right after 508. <laughs> Because I think I just had everybody that was rude blocked, but I had some people that just despised him that we had just passing sort of, you know, acquaintanceships. And I got a couple of them that was like, listen, you know how I feel about him, but I am so sorry for you right now. I'm like, you're such a nice person. Thank you. <laughs> you and then I just stopped answering I, everything and went into my hole for a while. <laughs> I think those are still back I, in my drafts. I honestly tell you that we're not we haven't finished hearing everything about Tom. No, because they can still pin the holes. They can still pin they can still use him without actually paying the actor <laughs> because they're just gonna key in on this for another season. <laughs> I honestly think that he's going to go 
back in, in, I'm bitter in the last episode honestly. I'm I'm hella bitter <laughs> if they do if they if they swing it if they can do it I will be very happy I won't be happy with the writing necessarily but it won't matter my enthusiasm for Tom coming back and Liz getting her happy ending and the Keynes right. family being okay will trump Let's, anything let, before before we we finish this this uh, podcast part um I want to hear uh, your opinion on the the tomb site scene. Those three seconds where you thought that he was in bed. Oh, I didn't allow myself those three seconds. Oh, I did was you like, not have no. it? Because even I, I had that kickstart reaction of, oh, they did the thing. Of course they didn't do the thing. Stop it, Jen. <laughs> Don't hate no, yourself. No, I'm like, no, it's all a cruel lie. I know, I know this to be true. In my heart, this is a cruel lie. I know about New Amsterdam. You can't fool me. <laughs> you can't play my emotions anymore. <laughs> so oh, yeah. they did so mine. I, I, uh, well, there you go. Uh, you you let you're not allowed yourself to be as jaded and bitter and destroyed clearly as I am. I'm like, oh, actually, I saw him show up. I'm like, oh, show. I, I have some uh, some four-letter words for you right now. Uh, I, I've been so, so deep in my AU that sometimes I manage to forget <laughs> canon. It's so nice. Yeah, the other day you did. You were like, didn't that happen? No, that was you. <laughs> oh, wait, that was thing. Breathe Again. Sorry. <laughs> hmm. right. We rewrite the stars. We can rewrite. There is a reason why I just generally don't read don't read uh, fiction is that because you know as a theorist is very messy. I mean, I got I got problems now because I'm reading this one, but Sorry. I figure I get until January <laughs> so I can I can go back to canon. Yeah, it'll be um, done by January. Don't worry. <laughs> the, the trouble with writing as slowly as I do, which is like I get really into it for like a stretch of time, like three weeks, and then I'm like, I'm just I'm gonna read now. I'm gonna just uh, read a bunch of books and uh, not write anything for months on end. And uh, yeah, that's, that's I would that's, go crazy. I would, I would lose uh, my mind. I I write. I'm either writing or plot pointing or something with a story every day. If I'm not, there's something wrong. Like, you probably need to take me to the doctor and get me checked out. I go through through strings with what I'm obsessed with. So I might be, like, marathoning television shows for, you know, as my extracurricular activity for five hours a day. Or I'm writing for five hours a day for a couple of days in a row and then I'm reading for five hours a day it's not there's no mix there's no (laughs) there's no measure there's no consistent anything I have my DVR right now is so you're an you're an extremist person then yeah I I'm all I'm kind of all uh all or nothing binge binge whatever it is I'm binging on uh be it writing or whatever although I'm about to have a lot of extra time on my hands in about a month School is letting out. Yes. So, well, I work it up. Cool. So, summer. You know that the, the, there will be a few of us that will be hoping, hoping and praying for. Uh, well, I will be able to. I will son. be able to. Yeah, I will be able to do. I will be able to do that. I will be able to reinvest in my. Although God knows how I'll ever pick up lines again. My gosh, after this, after this finale, and just like pretend that it didn't happen i guess would be my only option that's what i did with the redemption quote-unquote wrap-up in my current one i just ignored it because yeah okay there 
when we're we're over an hour at this point in recording. Yeah, but I, I need I need, I to, need to go and eat because I'm about to start eating the microphone. Can, can I ask her one more question? One more. Sure, go. go go go. The redemption wrap up. What were your thoughts? Uh, screaming at the top of my lungs. They don't have that relationship. They don't have that relationship. That's not them. That's like, I can understand, I don't, I have to be clear, zero objection with Agnes going with uh, with Grandma uh, Hargrave there. Because that was, I think, that's a good choice. Because that woman is, she's not a field agent anymore. She's got tons of money. She's totally, you know, ruthless, would be ruthless in protecting that kid. She's a fabulous choice. But you don't get to, you don't get to go from zero to 60 on that relationship without some sort of, without some sort of something. We can't. You can, they can not like each other and still have this handoff happen. And that's what should have happened. Like, I haven't, I haven't forgiven you. Just FYI, I haven't forgiven you for shooting up my wedding, uh, for getting that innocent woman killed and for torturing my, and for torturing my husband. Uh, but, you know, you're the best, you're the best choice to protect my daughter at this point. So, you know, here's, here's Agnes. Uh, this whole thing. And Tom just, Tom just loved you so much. And you got through all your issues together and, and you testified against his father. Basically you got an extra, an extra season of redemption in about 40 words. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was so angry. So angry. That's, I mean, that's season two of redemption right there. Yeah. When? There were not like, there's not enough time (laughs) unless there was a year in there, but the kid was still the same. Yeah. That was was unacceptable. I just, to them to leave it, if that was their attempt at wrapping it up, they shouldn't have, they should have just said nothing at all and seen if they got this season and then spend some actual time on it. Yeah. So, but I wouldn't object to, yeah. I wouldn't object to Scotty. A comic would have been fine. How about just doing a comic? A comic book on redemption. It was a redemption writer that did it too. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. It was not good. Well, to me, what it felt like this is this was a season two of Redemption that we didn't get, and we got it in forty words. That's what happened in the season two. <laughs> yeah, but forty words and the like month in between, in which he was also investigating the bones. <laughs> it just there there was no time for it. It was so frustrating. I really do. I liked the I liked the graphic novel. That would be if there's any if there's any justice in the world slash uh, they felt that they could make money off of us by this, which I certainly did. I let them exploit me on this particular issue. If they could spend, uh, they could do another another series of the Blacklist comic, and they just cover they cover what supposedly happened, and they cover Tom's mysteries, and they wrap it up that way off the Blacklist show screen. I would be much more at peace. Not, I wouldn't be fully at peace because Tom would still be dead. But I would be much more at peace with uh, even a with novel Tom. will do. A, no, a little novel yeah. will yeah. do. They I'll they volunteer. did those two in which they were so <laughs> completely out of character. Uh, uh, the <laughs> there you go. Beekeeper. They probably finished too. Like in in. Oh, I'm done. It's a month. Here it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, do you have anything else you want to cover? No, I said my said my piece and then some. Um, but that's the end of this episode. You can catch us on YouTube and on SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Until next time. And 
Evie, you want to say how they can reach you if they want to read more of you, your theories and your fiction? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so you can find me on Tumblr at Blacklister214. And if you have a, a lot of patience with a writer who is a procrastinator, uh, you can read my fiction over on fanfiction.net uh, under the screen name Evie Edge. And good things are worth the wait. Her writing is definitely worth the wait. I Aww. She is the writer that dragged me full into the blacklist. I started Aww. reading her fan fiction. And so what? she was also one of the first theorists I started talking to and said, talk to me about this person and this stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, Blacklister was the one who wrote to me the definite thing on the uh, I'm your father uh, you're my daughter, but I'm not your father. So I, I still hold by what you wrote, and I am not fooled by the imposter. Uh, so there. <laughs> I, would, I would so like to have been right and for you to be right now. Let me just say that. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out in whenever this thing ends. And until then. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>